Welcome to Digication Scholars Conversations. I'm your host, Kelly Driscoll. In this episode, you'll hear part one of my conversation with Vale Schultz McColl, Technical Instructor of Early Childhood Education at Colorado Mesa University and Buell Fellow at Denver University. More links and information about today's conversation can be found on Digication's Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Full episodes of Digication Scholars Conversations can be found on YouTube or your favorite podcast app. Welcome to Digication Scholars Conversations. I'm your host, Kelly Driscoll, and I am so excited today to introduce you to Vale Schultz McColl. Vale is Technical Instructor of Early Childhood Education at Colorado Mesa University and a well fellow at Denver University. Welcome, Vale. Well, thank you for having me. Welcome. Yes. So as I was reading your bio in preparation for our call today, I just kept thinking about what an inspiration you must be for your students with what you have done during your time teaching, as well as advancing your own education. So I wanted to kick off our conversation today and you sharing with our listeners a little bit about your background. Um, and if you don't mind going back to maybe when you had your own childcare facility at some point as well. All right. Well, sure. I'd be glad to. Um, and thank you for the kind words regarding being an in inspiration. I always try to be a good uh, role model for the students. So I started out um, actually in banking and then had two children mm -hmm. and then found out it was not a good fit anymore. And so I had a neighbor who had a family child care home. And mm -hmm. she encouraged me to explore that avenue. And I thought, okay, you know, I could do this for a few years. Um, I really enjoyed it, started taking some, uh, just one class a semester at the college so I could learn more about early childhood growth and development so I could be a great mom. You know, of course, that's yeah. always our goal. Yeah. And so I just kept delving more and more into it and got really interested. Um, there were a variety of supports here in our community. So I was able to expand and do what we call a shines rating here in Colorado and further on. So it took me 12 years, but in 12 years, I got my bachelor's uh, in social and behavioral sciences. And then I decided to go on and get my master's in early childhood education, which was uh, really exciting. And while I did that, I continued to have my family home childcare home. Then uh, after that, I thought, okay, I'm gonna, I'm ready to branch out a little bit. So I taught at the college a little bit. I did some coaching for other facilities, as well as worked at an elementary school for a short period of time. Um, really found my niche in teaching at the college. So uh, I was really excited when uh, Colorado Reed Mesa University, the community college campus, had an opening. And so I started teaching there and continued to expand and help to build the program to what it is today, which I'm really excited. Um, we actually have three full-time staff compared to when I came on in 2009 when there was just part-time staff. So it was, yeah. it was really excited. Um, and I have, as much as I have a passion for early childhood and getting out in nature, I really find that we have to be technology forward and find mm -hmm. ways that we can use technology in a positive way to help not only the children, but also the teachers to be successful. 
Wonderful. Yeah, I saw that you recently actually completed a second master's in instructional design as well. And it was, was it that interest in technology that got you interested in doing that? Absolutely, because I was thinking as I was looking at my coursework and my classes and talking with my students, because I had students here in Colorado, which is wonderful, mm -hmm. um, but they were going to other states and they were coming back to me struggling with other states' rules and regulations and guidelines regarding teachers. And they're like, oh, I have to have my syllabus. Oh, I have to have some of my assignments. Oh, I need to have this or that. Mm -hmm. And I kept thinking, okay, how can I create a better classroom online as well as find a way that they can store these documents so if they choose to go to another state or even another country if they happen to right. be a military spouse or in the military themselves they have quick and easy access to this so when that state teacher licensure comes and says do you have this they can easily go yep there it is here i'm just mm -hmm. going to share it with you and then it's so much more simple for them that's excellent. So I got to know, um, you know, kind of learn about you and what your students were doing from some of their e-portfolios in Digication. And I can tell right from looking at them what a rigorous program it is. And I was wondering if you could speak a little bit to how those e-portfolios are organized. You can tell that there's a very intentional kind of structure that's been in place to guide the students. It looks like they may be developing them throughout the program um, and that they incorporate information from a, a number of different courses that they're taking. So if you could describe that a little bit, that would be great. Oh, sure. And you're right. It's very intentional. I worked with the other faculty, uh, other full-time faculty to really strategically create these. And of course it was a, you know, trial and error and then having mm -hmm. the students use them mm -hmm. um, to figure it out. But they start their first class in early childhood, which is a 101 class. That is when they start with this e-portfolio and we create a template to make it easier for them. And so they start out on their homepage and they start with their very first philosophy of what early childhood is. And then as they go through the program, they continue to expand and build on that because yeah. we want them to recognize that this e-portfolio is a living document. And mm -hmm. even when they're done with college classes, they can continue to build and add to this so that they have this living document that can follow them around. And so that's part of the homepage. They put their picture, they start on their philosophy, and then they go into their early childhood 101 tab within the portfolio. And then they have some key, what we call key assessments. Those are those mm -hmm. uh, larger projects that really speak to the student learning outcomes. And so once they've completed those assignments and have updated them so they have a good grade on them, then they upload them into their e-portfolio. Um, another thing that we have them do is the course celebrate syllabus. And again, that's for transferability from right. state to state or from the U.S. to another nation so that they have all of that information they can easily access. And then once they have that, we also want them to do an end of course reflection because we want mm -hmm. them to be able to come back and look at this e-portfolio and think about, wow, look at my reflection for my 101 class compared to my reflection for my student teaching class, right? And how, and 
how much they've grown and they can reflect on that and then remember that that reflection is important, that everybody has that growth period and they're still going to grow as they continue to go on. Another thing that we really wanted to put in here is teachers are great for sharing. We love to share stuff, right? We're not prioritized. We're not going to, you know, go get patents for anything. So we put in specific boxes because as they attend our classes, they share resources like, oh, this is a wonder, wonderful children's book. Oh, I did a tap and ask activity. Oh, what's that? Oh, that's what it is. Oh, I want to remember that. So when I'm in a classroom. So we specifically gave them boxes. Um, in each tab where they can put activities that they learned and want to remember and use in their own classroom, children's books, teachers' books, as well as any websites that they learn about and that they want to make sure that they keep track of. Because, um, you know, once you've been in here for a few years, you know, and you've been teaching, sometimes you kind of forget some of those resources and you're like, oh, I wish I could remember what that activity was or what that website was. And this gives them a nice one stop that they can go to and look at and say, well, this was important to me. It wasn't something that my instructor said. This is is something that actually is important to me and I want to use in my classroom. Yeah. And I, I, I was curious about that and where those materials were coming from. So thank you so much for sharing that. It is a lovely organization. There's this area where they have teacher resources defined and student resources defined. And it sounds like these are resources that, that they are finding and want to include within the ePortfolio kind of for their own documentation purposes, but I imagine that many of the students, a lot of the portfolios are shared publicly. So is there sharing that's happening among the the peers that are going through the program too in some of these resources? Oh, yes, absolutely. They they share and they support each other. Mm -hmm. If somebody's having a hard time uploading a link or mm-hmm. getting a document in, they're great at supporting and helping each other. Step in and help each other out. Yeah. And speaking of that, um, supporting each other and helping each other out, I was curious if these e-portfolios were integrated into any of their um, kind of field experience or student teaching experiences that they have. It's part of a, the required every course has a requirement where they have to do um, this activity and then they submit it to us and then we give them feedback regarding it. Um, But mostly um, I've seen students um, outside of the classroom use it um, for resumes. We've had students Mm -hmm. come and say, well, I'm going to apply. I want to move from this school to that school. Can I use Mm -hmm. this as part of my resume as my resources portfolio type? And we're like, absolutely. And sometimes they'll send us a link and we'll kind of look over things and say, oh, maybe they would like to see this or maybe they don't want to see that um, and help them to use uh, them in other ways besides as a resource just for themselves. Right, right. Excellent. And you mentioned that there's uh, three full-time faculty that are uh, working with the students. Are all of you involved in providing the students with feedback on various areas of the portfolio? How are, how are, what's that kind of process like for reviewing them once they've started to put these documents and reflections into the various pages that they have? 
Right. So I'll clarify, we have two full-time faculty and then we have one full-time apprenticeship specialist. Oh, so, okay. Got it. But got yes, it. she still she still interacts with the with the students and helps support. Um, and yes, uh, the other full time faculty that I work with, we collaborate a lot on this, mm-hmm. and we really think about okay, what is she having them put in um, for? We have a one hundred and three guidance class. What is she having them put in? And then thinking about what I'm having them put in for, like the one hundred and one or the student teaching and then really reflecting on it we try to come together once a semester and really think about all right what are we having them put in there as well as how are we seeing that scaffolding of learning so how are we seeing their learning go from that 101 class the 102 103 up into the 200 levels and beyond so that we can make sure that this is really a valued experience for them it's not just oh stick a couple documents in here and then just walk off and leave it we want them to value this experience and be able to use it again and again as they continue on in their career path excellent and i know with uh some of the various programs that we work with they are very mindful of specific learning outcomes and objectives that the students are working towards and i know in early childhood education there's very specific kinds of professional practice standards that they're required to achieve in order to move forward in their um, kind of teaching career after graduation. And I was curious as you, how many years have you been using the ePortfolios? Because I know you mentioned it's been kind of a iterative process and thinking about how the portfolio is going to be organized. How many years have you been working with the students using this technology? Wow. I was going to say, I, we came through, I think, on the first iteration of this before it looks like it does now. So mm-hmm. I would definitely say it's been over five years yeah. that we've been using this uh, e-portfolio in, in one shape, way or, or another. Yes. And I have yeah. to say, I love the the newest one um, and how smooth it is. And it's so much easier, especially now that we have a template in there um, for students to get in and navigate it and even share things. Yeah. Right. Because they can keep it for themselves. But if they want to share it, it, you know, it has to have that feature. And I do really appreciate that they can choose to share all or just a small part of it with uh, right. potential employers or the other government agencies that need to validate their education. And again, like you were talking about regarding student learning outcomes, that's part of having them put the syllabus in there is so they have those student learning outcomes, not only for themselves, but for uh, others who need to look and make sure, okay, have they done this? Have they done observations? Have they done student teaching? And within the student teaching, how many hours did they do? Did Mm -hmm. they have a mentor? Um, Did they have evaluations? Have they used some of the different tools that are required within early childhood? Yeah. And I think I saw in some that were shared publicly that they, um, alongside many of their reflections about the various um, course objectives or outcomes that they're working towards that they have chosen specific pieces of evidence that they would like to share. I saw um, 
lesson plans and what look like maybe curriculum maps mm -hmm. of some kind are the the students um, being guided in what specific assignments they might include or are they going through the process of kind of thinking about what they feel best represents what they did in that course so they have some key assessments which are those mm -hmm. larger documents but we also leave it open because we want them again to take ownership of this so mm -hmm. if there's another assignment that they have done uh, lesson plan like what you've talked about um, then they're more than welcome to upload those um, mm -hmm. because even though we grade it we grade it from the standpoint of we want to make sure they have the minimum but if they go above and beyond we support that so mm -hmm. in we have what's called a 241 administration class where we talk about human relations mm -hmm. and we have a variety of different documents the students share with each other as well as uh, some self-reflection forms team building activities and so they're only required for grading points to upload mm -hmm. one or two of them. But I often find that the students are really valuing what they're getting from their peers and they'll add a, even more. So they may only need to upload three documents, but when I go in there, there could be 12, there could be 15 because they're really taking ownership of, okay, I have to do these three for, for my class, mm -hmm. but I really like these other ones. I like, yeah. uh, you know, whatever team building you might have um, that goes along with making uh, connections with others. And so they want yeah. to remember so they can do that when they have their own classrooms. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, I saw in a couple of cases, it looked like they may have even created kind of um, a gallery of documents. And um, it's exciting to see that the students are you know, have that kind of um, ownership over the experience of developing the portfolio and thinking about what are the key pieces of work that they've created and experience that they've had that they would really like to be able to, to share out. I know sometimes in specifically these kind of professional practice programs that there can be a lot of um, kind of inherent structure to the the process because there's so many stringent requirements around it and i know as educators that are helping the students through that process they can sometimes feel a little nervous about just opening it up and letting students have that that level of control over what they want to align to specific objectives so it's great to hear your kind of insight into how that has worked for your your program so I would love to hear, you know, from this kind of process that the students are going through, what are some of the benefits that you have found for the program? And then also thinking about what benefits have you seen specifically for the students that have gone through this process? So I think speaking to the, the program first, um, that one of the benefits of having this this e-portfolio is that when we go to state meetings and they're talking about how are you validating these key assessments, right? Because we're not just meeting the outcomes of the college, 
in early childhood, just like in teacher licensure, we have to answer to the state as well to make sure that students are meeting outcomes. And so when we have the state come in to evaluate our program, to make sure that the students are meeting learning outcomes and key assessments, these benefit our program because we know we've got a one-stop shop to go to. Right. And we can document that students are participating in this and they are tracking things and that we're able to grade it and show growth. Because, again, they like to see, okay, are students actually growing and learning as they experience this? So as a program, it's very beneficial for us, especially when we're collaborating with each other so that 101 and then the next class 102 kind of builds on 101. And we can actually see that within the portfolio And I would say, again, a benefit for the students is, one, they take ownership. So it's, even though we give them the template and give them started, Mm -hmm. it's like a young child, you know, we get them started with blocks and we help them stack two or three, but then we let them grow from there and they add cars and animals and Mm -hmm. all sorts of things that we might not have thought about. And so that's part of this is we really want to take that philosophy of, We know if they take ownership, if we give them that foundation and they take ownership, they're going to keep growing and building on this long after they're in classes, right? So they're going to keep using this and being able to be successful with it. Um, And I know from having chatted with a couple different uh, childcare facilities, schools, that when they have a student that uses their e-portfolio and the school is saying, well, we want to see some of the curriculum that you created. We want to know that you know how to do that. We want to see some of uh, the health and safety activities that you do. That When the students share something like this, as a business owner, they're like, wow, they really have this down pat. They know yeah. this. It's not somebody coming in and having a bunch of random pieces of paper saying, well, I, I did this and I did that. They can tell that the student has really organized things and, and um, has access to both resources and has done those activities as well. Yeah. yeah. And that must be so validating for the student too, even before they've graduated, that they've got this outside audience looking at what they have already done and, and noticing the, the rigor and kind of experience that they've had before they even start doing their student teaching or working with them specifically. So that's, that's outstanding. Um, so I was curious about your um, Buell Fellowship at Denver University. Could you speak a little bit about how you became a Buell Fellow? So uh, the Buell organization um, supports early childhood, uh, and it's a huge foundation here in Colorado. And what they noticed many, many years ago was that we really needed to have more leaders in early childhood, but how were those people who could be potential leaders really getting that education. And so they decided to create what they called an early, uh, the Buell Early Childhood uh, Leadership Fellowship. And so they started out um, and they took 20 people a year and we would come together and we would go through a variety of trainings really designed to help build us as leaders and not just leaders as in, you know, advocating with politicians or being in charge of a government agency, but really that idea that 
leaders can be in any positions and you can mm-hmm. lead from any chair. So if you are a teacher in a classroom, you can still be a leader or you could be in administration and be a leader, or you can be an advocate over here and be a leader. And their goal with that was to create a a group, a fellowship of leaders who would go on and then share that knowledge with teachers so that we would have teachers who were advocating for what was needed in the classroom, for what parents need, and for what children need. And so I think in Colorado, we've really seen the benefit of that, especially as the government has just created our new Department of Early Childhood and has expanded on that. And now we have Early Childhood Apprenticeship Um, They're kind of in that first, well, we're starting into our second year of the apprenticeship program. And there were only three colleges that were initially selected for that grant. And so our college was one of them. And so now we're seeing, again, that leadership that came down from Buell of advocating and moving forward. And we're, again, in our second year of apprenticeship. And so as I'm looking at the ePortfolio, we haven't made any modifications to it yet. We're thinking about, okay, how can we use this e-portfolio, not just for college classes, but maybe start using it for some of that documentation that apprentices get in the field as they're on their way to earning their national certification. Right. Or how might it be used as an advocacy tool? There you go. Yeah, absolutely. So it's, it's this continue again. That's what I love about this is that the e-portfolio, from our point of view, is a living document. It's never meant to be stagnant. So yeah. how it looks today is going to look a little bit different than what it's going to look like next year or the year after. And each student is going to ha- have its own personal twist to it so they feel like they own it and that they can use it again and again. Yeah. And I would love to hear, Vail, you know, have... As being part of this, have you found that that's um, influenced some of your current teaching practice too? I know it's only been, it sounds like a couple years since it's gotten started, but have you seen that shape some of the communication or reframe some things that you're doing within your own classrooms? Oh, for using the e-portfolio? Yeah. Um, Yes, I would definitely say that as we have continued to expand and use it more, uh, you know, it's always one of those things we're thinking about, okay, and then how does the, how did these puzzle pieces fit together? And how am what I'm doing here? How is that helping support that growth of that e-portfolio? And how am I helping my students to remember that this e-portfolio is theirs? And Mm -hmm. that they can grow from it and not having me just tell them, oh, you have to upload all these different documents and never touch anything and never (laughs) use it for anything else, right? Um, But definitely thinking about how are all these uh, puzzle pieces fitting together and how are we using it strategically to support teachers? This concludes part one of our conversation. To hear part two, be sure to subscribe to Digication Scholars Conversations on YouTube, iTunes, Spotify, or your favorite podcast app. Digication Scholars Conversations is brought to you by Digication, a technology platform powering the most innovative e-portfolio programs in K-12 and higher education. 
Our website can be found at digication.com. If you enjoyed today's conversation, please like, subscribe, and share with a friend. Thanks for tuning in.